Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to my show. <clears throat> the Aquaman and Friends Action Hour. And, uh, you're the friends. You know, from the title, Aquaman and Friends, you're the friends. Okay, well, we got a super show today, so here we go. My spider senses are starting to tingle. Just hang on to your lariat. Wonder what kind of a scene I'm getting into. And welcome to Behind the Panels, issue 106, the comic book show that presents its reviews in the form of a dissection. I'm Richard Gray. I'm David McVeigh. I'm David Longo. In this issue, Grant Morrison's multiversity finally spills out into our reality. We'll understand it all once we're finished reading every comic in history. <laughs> <laughs> also, Ant-Man begins production in San Francisco, and Marvel has treated us to a picture of Paul Rudd in a hoodie. Then it's Fade Out, Little Nemo, Dark Horse Presents, and more in what we've been reading, plus... Our kick-ass pick of the week, The Wake, the DC Vertigo series by Scott Snyder, Sean Murphy, and Matt Hollingsworth. This is Behind the Panels. That was, of course, Arcade Fire and the only song I could think of to play at the start of the show. <laughs> uh, first of all, good to have you back in the house, David. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's good to be back. And, but for uh, how long, I don't know. Unfortunately, you've run out of sick days, so you're fired now. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, that's a special announcement coming up. That's especially, yeah. <laughs> the special announcement coming up. We may as well just deal with this now. We, we talked about it last week on the show, the special announcement. If you didn't catch last week's show, but you're catching this one, for reasons we don't know. If you like this, it is your first behind the panels, and you really like it's what you're hearing. It's always someone's first behind the panels. It's always someone's first behind the panels. So this is your first show, and you every like- issue of the wake might be someone's <laughs> first issue. <laughs> well, if you like what you hear here, and it's it's becoming increasingly unlikely that you will. Uh, you can find us live coming up in a couple of weeks at Oz Comic Con Sydney. It's our first big live show. In fact, we're doing, we're so excited by it, we're doing it twice. Um, so, Oz Comic Con Sydney, the 13th and 14th of September, 2014, in case you're listening to this in the future. Um, we're going to appear live at Oz Comic Con Sydney. Uh, there'll be special guests there, yet to be confirmed. But uh, we're going to be doing everything that we do here except live. And in colour for the first time. With famous people. So we hope to see as many of you there as possible. And if not, don't worry. It'll be going out on the feed as usual as two shows. We'll be doing our kick-ass pick of the week for that week, which will be Batman the Killing Joke. Very, very excited about that. So... We really want to plough through this show today because we've had so many technical difficulties. It's you now, almost didn't get a show this week. Well, no, and that would have been tragedy. So this wouldn't have been anybody's first show. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's plough on from that to a little bit of what we've been reading. Well, looks like we got ourselves a reader. Read between the lines, bitch. 
Now, I've got on my list here that Multiversity starts this list, but I want to talk about that last because yes. it, it will suck all the air out of the room and I won't want to talk about anything else. Well, let me that. start with the lightest and frivolous thing that's actually not on your list, but it did come out this week because I think it's also important to note because we always talk about people's jump-on points. Yes. Uh, Supergirl issue 34 came out this week, ah. uh, which is really interesting because it's the start of a new arc. So if you're at all interested in Supergirl, this is where you jump And she's on. not a Red Lantern anymore? She's not a Red Lantern okay. anymore and she's not angry anymore. She's kind of come back to Earth. So... Where this is picking up is the whole Superman Doomsday thing that's going on at the moment. She's arrived back on Earth. There's a cloud of kryptonite over everything, and the world has turned to crap. And basically, the last word Superman said to her was, protect the world, hmm. because he's off being Doomsday. So now we've got her showing up, and it's a lovely little Wait, tale. sorry. Superman's off being <clears throat> Doomsday. Apparently. I haven't been reading Superman, wow. so I'm not sticking up with that, but apparently Superman is I Doomsday. I am way behind yeah. <laughs> So Maybe he'll I, just kill himself at the end so of it. No. <laughs> what, I get, what I gather from the backstory of this, because I haven't been reading Superman, is that something happened with that whole Superman Doom thing. He's ended up becoming Doomsday. And the ultimate solution was they set a kryptonite bomb off on Earth, which has basically coated the entire planet in kryptonite. Wow. Um, and so she's feeling the effects of this as well. It's obviously. like one of those roach bombs. <laughs> <laughs> you leave in the room and you have to leave for six hours and then come yes. back. And she's finally met a human that she actually likes and blah. And look, it's actually kind of a fun little issue. So if you feel like you want to read a little bit of Supergirl, jump on at this point because this might be your, your only hope of getting into this. Well, one of the big books that came out this week is, of course, Fade Out, number one, from mm. Image Comics. And this is from the superstar team of Ed Brubaker and uh, Sean Phillips, mm. who have done things like uh, Fatal, which we'll be doing in a couple of weeks' time, but Criminal and Sleeper and all those kind of things as well. So if you've read any of their previous works... And Brubaker, know, of course, is the creator of The Winter Soldier as yes, well. Yes, so. yeah. Brubaker is, is, was the Rick Remender of his day. No, he was <laughs> the, I was thinking the exact same joke. <laughs> no, uh, Ed Brubaker is is a superstar writer and they've got this. They pretty much followed within a couple of weeks the end of Fatal with uh, Fade Out, number one, because this is a, a concept that's been ruminating for a long time. If you've read Satellite Sam, uh, you kind of know what kind of vibe you're getting it's in for. It's very here. similar. The setup is very similar in the sense that there's a film production, Starlet has wound up dead. And Satellite Sam's radio, though, isn't it? Is, no, it's live television. Oh, no, it's live television. television. It's a live television. And there's a, uh, there's a whole conspiracy around that. Now, it being Brew Baker and Phillips, you know it's going to get a little bit supernatural and there's going to be a little bit more than this, than just the straight noir thriller. Mm. It's very much like a James Elroy book. It kind of feels a bit like LA Confidential, that sort of thing. Uh, I get the sense that there's something more going on because Fatal kind of gets a bit Cthulhu-y <laughs> um, <laughs> in addition to being uh, a noir thriller. But it's pretty much if you if you like what you've seen in previous Brubaker Phillips works, it's it's it's. Now, I haven't very, read very a lot of the previous Brubaker Phillips works. I've read his Marvel stuff. Yes, it's like obviously. Uh, so this um, I was, I've read uh, an issue or two of Fatal, which I'm going to read a lot more of, obviously, because we're going to do it as a pick. Um, I really like this. I thought this was a really intriguing first issue, mm. and yes, there are some similarities to Satellite Sam, which I finally caught up on and really enjoyed that too. But. Um, I really like the characters in this, and I'm really intrigued to see what happens next. Mm. Um, and I think that's the sign of a great first issue where you finish it and go, oh, I wish I had the second issue. Yeah, And yeah. that's kind of where I am with it at the moment. So I liked it a lot. The uh, Dave was talking to me before the show about the, the back matter in this book, which talks about yes. the lonesome death of Peg Entwistle, mm. uh, who's the suicide on uh, near the Hollywood sign. Now, the... Correct me if I'm wrong, that actually did serve as the basis for something in an Elroy I novel did, as yeah. well. So that kind of period of Hollywood, the late 1940s, is is very much uh, behind this book. Mm. And uh, those of you who, who like that era of cinema 
like that era of story uh, and so many crime stories that come out. I think things like Black Dahlia and all that kind of stuff came out of this sort of era. So this is this is definitely It was a you. really seedy time mm, in Hollywoodland. Yeah, Hollywoodland so, yeah. Hollywood uh, is it what's called. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a really seedy time where, where studios literally ruled the roost and I love the fact that the head of security of the studio, as he said, my job is to make sure nobody gets bad press. Mm. Yeah. And so they'll cover up crimes if they have to. You and know? the director just wants to keep on filming. Yeah, and, yeah. But they're it's, sort of balancing that off with the uh, the public, bad publicity they'd get if they don't mourn her long mm. enough and all this kind of stuff. So, And the, the director's German, so you know it's kind of a Fritz Lang sort of character that they've got sort of the cast in I there love the fact that there's, that there's that character who he goes to pick up outside the pub who's been causing all the problems and they, they, they supposedly hate each other. And then when they get back to the apartment... He had actually named him in the McCarthy yes. witch hunts, but they're actually still friends. And I, he goes, sometimes we have to have a public display like this to sell it, you know. And it's like yeah. it's really interesting stuff, mm. you know. So it's got a lot of um, there's a lot of levels to it, and yeah, I like that. And I think this is going to unfold as the months go on. I'm mm. gonna, Dave, did you like the book? Yeah, man, I loved it. Yeah, like yeah. Um, I don't usually read single issues. I sort of wait for the trade now. Mm. But I think with this one, I, I liked it that much that I, pr- yeah. I will get it every month. And yeah. you know what? Because it's that 1940s vibe, I think that serialized aspect to it's going to really aid it. Yeah, mm. this is going to be one that we totally, pick. Yeah. Yeah. This is one we're going to pick up digitally month by month, and then when the trade comes out, you buy the trade. Agreed. So. I bought the first yeah. issue because I tend I try to buy a lot of. Um, and I've got it physically. I've got it here today. I like to buy first issues of yeah. image comics, not least of which because I can probably hock them on eBay. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, so, it's, so, it's not emblematic of the problems in image comics at the moment. Like this one here is very clean cut. It's very it, the characters are iconic. It comes fully formed, you know, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It, mm. And it's very simple to follow. It only puts you in, you know, to a, a just handful to- of characters. It's just putting your toes in at the moment. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. You know, it's just in- incredibly well written in terms of, yeah. Uh, some of the other stuff that I read this week and uh, I had to read, well, I, I collect every month Dark Horse Presents and mm. they've reformatted it this month. It used to be about 60-something pages and they've now cut it down to uh, not quite half that length. It's probably about 48 pages now. Still a, a prestige-ish format book. Uh, not prestige quite, but it's a, it's a slightly thicker floppy and it's got a nice glossy cover. But uh, what you will notice on the cover is some beautiful Jeff Darrow art. Uh, for the return of big uh, the big guy and Rusty the Boy Robot Ooh. and other stories. What you'll probably notice, the first thing you'll notice about that story, which is impeccably illustrated yes. and coloured, um, is that it is not written by Frank Miller. Uh, this is just Jeff Darrow. And you know what? I think in some ways it's almost an improvement. I think the writing. Well, I can actually say I think the writing is better. Yeah. Um, I think the sense of humor is better too. I love Rusty the robot floating above the beach, giving safety instructions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> while the big guy is beating up the monster in the background, it's just a quality piece of it, writing. It's typical Darrow stuff. If you've read his Shaolin cowboy stuff, just that reams of dialogue happening while crazy things are happening yeah. on on page is exactly what he does. He's sort of, you know, this dichotomy between ridiculous action and really lengthy dialogue. Well, what I love is the fact that some of the safety instructions are things like you're not supposed to smoke on the beach and please take your rubbish. And, of course, the picture, illust- the illustration in the front, the beach is a disaster. <laughs> it's covered yeah. in litter. Everybody's got cigarettes hanging out of their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> and so, look, there probably will be more rusty uh, and... Uh, big guy stories coming up. Uh, but it wasn't my favourite story in uh, in the issue. Uh, I quite like the David Mack art in the Kabuki story that's in here because... Didn't understand it. I had but... no idea what was going on, but it is the most beautiful art. I mean, David Mack, if you're familiar with his stuff, either through Kabuki or through um, his Daredevil stuff mm. that he did uh, when he introduced the character of Echo, 
um, who is rumoured to appear in the Daredevil TV series. Interesting. Um, uh, but there was a Resident Alien uh, story in there, which I didn't really get a lot out of. It was kind of fun. Uh, it was sort of fun. but And there was a Brendan McCarthy uh, called Dream Gang uh, issue, which I feel that we've kind of covered similar ground before. But Wrestling with Demons, part one, Jimmy Palmiot in Justin Gray. Highlight uh, of the book for me. Was was probably one of the stronger ones. It's a, this little girl visits his ghost town with the parents. And, uh, you know, it's hard to sort of talk about it too much because it's only about 10 pages or so without getting into some major spoilers. You also don't want to give it away because no. it's, it's a very, very interesting piece. But uh, It's let's very just, atmospheric. Let's just say that, once again, this is one where you read it and go, oh, God, I need next month because I want to see what happens yeah. next. <laughs> so the thing is with the Dark Horse Presents, sometimes you don't necessarily get part two the next month, but you, yeah. you probably, you know... Uh, that's a great thing about this. You, you get a you get a sampling, and some of these go on to be in the saber tooth swordman did nothing for me, but um, sometimes you go off and you'll find these uh, these are teasers for oncoming uh, series that are coming soon. Uh, for example, um, I think there'll be a, a bit of a Marla's Blade Volume Two that will mm. appear in one of these. I think in November, but the actual Marla's Blade Volume Two volume is not coming out till January. Right, right, and. Um, I may have seen some of the pages from that because I, <laughs> I have a dialogue with the writer and it's very good. But um, So highly recommend that. That's just one of the best anthologies. Can I stuff. go on record and say that I am really digging the creative team of Palmiotti, Gray and Palmiotti, Connor, pa- the Palmiotti camp? Family. Let's call the, them the, the family. The family <laughs> and and, and well, Mounts. You know, well, because Palmiotti and, and Connor are actually married. <laughs> Absolutely. So. And let's not, let's not forget their child, Paul Mounts. And <laughs> <laughs> He's not really their child, uh, but, but yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go on record too much. <laughs> no, no. But that 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 little creative empire that's happening over there, uh, Palmiotti when he's working with his wife, or when he's working with Gray, her artwork, or the artists that they're rounding up, for particularly the Harley Quinn artists at the moment, mm. and of course Mounts is their colorist. This is a powerhouse team at the moment. There's not a lot wrong going on. No, let's just do a quick roundup of some of the other titles. I really want to talk about multiversity. Uh, Little Nemo Return to Slumberland. I'll mention quickly because this is Eric uh, Shanauer who who did the um, Wizard of Oz adaptations with Scotty Young. Yep, has um, written a sequel to the Little Nemo Adventures in Sh- Slumberland. Slumberland, uh, uh, Sl- <laughs> Little Nemo and Slumberland uh, books of the early twentieth century. We're talking nineteen oh five. And I went and checked out some of these things because I, I, I knew of it, but I hadn't really looked at them before. And the original nineteen oh five, the the layouts and the colours and this, it's just beautiful. It is absolutely phenomenal. The layouts in this thing is amazing. But the art in this one is Gabriel Rodriguez, who uh, Dave's uh, favourite book possibly of all time. Yeah, quite possibly Lock and Keys. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not joking. (laughs) And uh, we know he's a versatile artist from that. But in this, here's your drinking game, next level stuff. Mm. Because he really finely details this, this dream world. And he gets into sort of dream worlds and things in Lock and Key as mm. well. But I should mention that I, I over the last couple of weeks, I sped through Lock and Key, the whole series. The whole thing. The whole thing, completed it. And a, an obsession with Joe Hill has begun. <laughs> I think I, like, not joking. This, it was inevitable this, after your This week I read, I read his, his two, two of his three novels in the week. Oh, wow. Yeah, I read Horns, which is going to be a film with Daniel Radcliffe. That's that right. Looks, that looks great, by the way. And um, Heart Shaped Box. 
which is also Hatshepsut's first, first novel. His first novel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, might, I might take it out because I I like his writing. When mm. I finish reading Lock and Key, I might yeah. start hitting the novel. Lock and up. Key is just outstanding. It I don't is. Know, I, I can't. I can't say anything. I'm up to the third volume, yeah. and I'm and I'm really because like it's yeah. one of the few ones where I've actually consciously gone out and after we've done the the show of the first volume, I've consciously gone out and got the next well, one. Well, I, so, yeah, so I, I went yeah. out and b- b- bought volume two and three. I haven't had a chance to read them yet, but I bought volume two and three sitting over there. I read two and I'm up to three. It's hard to believe, but every volume gets better and better. It really does. It's absolutely just yeah. it just becomes the greatest thing ever. Because by the end yeah. of volume two, I was like, why don't I have three? So I went and bought three yeah, yeah. and four, just yeah. so I had yeah. two to tie me over yeah. to the next one. Yeah. Uh, I quick- couldn't afford it, but I, I bought it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah it's like- <laughs> uh, I'll quickly mention Justice Inc., which is a Dynamite title. And this is kind of one of those big crossover type things. Dynamite's because- doing this a lot. Of and so. and it's, not, it's not a bad one because it's got, People like the Shadow and Doc Savage and 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 the Avenger mm. all crossing over in this time travel wibbly wobbly timey wimey kind of story. Well, this follows their last big crossover event, which was Prophecy. Yes, which was uh, Red Sonja and Vampirella yeah. and um, yeah. and I forget the Panther. Panther, yeah. And Panther, which was also time travel and, you know, so yeah. forth. So Dynamite's doing this a lot. I read the, Prophecy. I haven't read this This one, is quite so. good because it's got a younger and older version of Doc Savage communicating oh, with each other. It's, it's actually really well done. I've been reading Dynamite's The Shadow, yeah. uh, which is they've been going for a couple of years now at The Shadow. It's really good. It's great B-grade pulp fiction. And this just, is what this is as well. Yeah. And I, I really like it. So I'm, I you know, Dynamite doesn't get as much attention as the other ones uh, simply because, you know, I think there's a reputation for them being maybe not as good or very pulpy. Mm. Um, but uh, they're doing some great stuff at the moment. So uh, definitely check that because they did the Green Hornet stuff, didn't they? They did. Yes. Yeah, so did they do um, Irredeemable? Uh, was that no, no, that's that boom. Was boom, that was boom, boom, boom okay. yeah, that's Boom Studios, or more correctly, Boom, boom! Studios. Boom, yes. uh, I'll quickly mention. We should I, we should mention very quickly that they also did Steampunk Battlestar Galactica, which came out this uh, week. Uh, yeah. Which uh, <laughs> David explains me how this is different from Battlestar Galactica, except for the fact that they have goggles. Uh, they've got goggles, and the girls <laughs> wear bustiers, uh, and they have lots of metal bits on their suits, and their ships are the ether. The yes. ether ships instead of battle so, and the Cylons are clockwork. But I have a question. Which we know because they say were. They say were occasionally, and I have a question. Uh, uh, Baltar wears a dome on his head, the entire thing, but he has goggles on. My question is, how does he put the goggles on? <laughs> He's got a dome on his head. <laughs> this was the most stupid book I've read in quite some time. Maybe, maybe they'll answer that in the next issue. <laughs> you know what? I may have to read the next issue just to find out if he can put his goggles on. So more accurately, it's called steampunk. Ether <laughs> Goggle Dome Galactica <laughs> 1880 1880 Goggle Dome Yeah <laughs> You're about to enter the Goggle Dome So all the good all, So all of the All, all of the <laughs> And I killed Dave oh, You broke him One man enters <laughs> <laughs> Two goggles exit No Unless they fog up You know All of the uh, good points That they get for Justice Inc well, Of course they'd fog up It's steampunk <laughs> <laughs> they get they lose a few of them for Steampunk yes. Battlestar Galactica. Um, this goes up there, I think, with the uh, Warlords of Baboon. You know, it's oh like- dear. <laughs> uh, run of image titles. Trees number four came out. This 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 title has pretty much lost me because I have no idea what's going on. It, <laughs> yeah. It's gone into. It's gone like like another book we'll cover this week. It's just gone into another story now. I yes. think uh, Supreme Blue Rose. I have no idea what it's about, but it's brilliant. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It is beautifully written, beautifully illustrated. I yeah, love I have this no book. idea though. Uh, the Wicked and the Divine number three. It's drawing me in every week. Uh, I like the first issue. I'm still, I'm still not yeah, sure. Wasn't I'm, still, as good. I'm still not sure where they're going with it. No, but it's it got me intrigued. I like the setup. Yeah, it's got me really. Those of you who haven't listened to the previous ones, the setup is that gods are 
um, reincarnated into mortals every every, 90, every, every ninety years. Yeah, I think something it is. like that. Yeah. And in this incarnation, they're like the rock stars of today. Like Annie Lennox, and you know, they yeah. actually look like. Oh no, she looks like pink. That's right. She she's got. Like, kind of, well, she's got kind of an Annie Lennox pink. Bowie, thin white suit kind Satan. of thing. That's yeah. Satan. And you've got a very Bowie. You've got kind of this kind of Florence and the Machine <laughs> kind of character who's mixed a little bit with Bowie as well. So it's uh, And this reporter who's kind of completely cynical and this little girl who is obsessed with them. Yeah. And they're kind of driving the story. Um, uh, that came out this week as well. Look, there's a couple of... Uh, Daredevil number seven, I'll yeah, quickly man. mention. Daredevil in Wakanda. Daredevil in Wakanda. Yeah. Um, you're bringing it. Doing, yeah. it. doing it Matt Murdock style. Yeah. I quite like this story. This is a great issue. Yeah. I really yeah. like this issue. It was yeah. really good because my editor at Newsarama gave this a drumming and oh, yeah. really didn't like it because uh, it's got like a storyteller credit and it's yeah. like storytellers. And there's one of his sticking points, like yeah. storytellers, Mark Wade and Javier Rodriguez. Um, he thought the whole thing was just an excuse for a fight sequence, but what a fight sequence it was! It was a whole um, cool thing with Daredevil's mom, and it, yeah, the whole thing was like it. It put a, <laughs> like, it put it put a cap on a story that's yeah. been hanging around yeah. since uh, Miller's uh, introduction of Sister Maggie mm. way back when. Yeah, like this is this to me. This is a uh, it was born again, wasn't it? I think she was introduced. Mm. Um, to me, this was this was a great little uh, uh, you know bow tied at, uh, for the De- uh, Daredevil saga. So we can move on to a whole chapter. Of in his my life in now. my opinion, Mark Wade's never done anything wrong. So hey. you know, yeah, that's a big call. <laughs> that is a big call. <laughs> but you, you guys listening might know a few tiles. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to move on to the biggest title that came out this week. Which is which is the start? Dave's waving it of yeah. probably one of the most anticipated comics in the history of comics. Well, says you. Says me. Well, no, this, this has, <laughs> for me it was like I heard about no, this, this like two years this ago. This is like. well, this has been in in production or been rumored to be you know things have been happening with it since two thousand and nine. Uh, this is the multiversity. This is by Grant Morrison and the arts by Ivan Reese uh, in this uh, and Joe Prado in this first issue. This is. Ostensibly a follow-up to Final Crisis, but it's so much more. Uh, this is either one of the most brilliant or one of the most insane or possibly both mm. uh, books that we've read. This is, in doing this podcast, we are adding another layer to this book. It is, it is as if uh, Grant Morrison took a fistful of acid and sat down in front of his board. Processor. You know what? I, I, I should have on, on on a first pass through. I'd agree with you, but it's almost like he, he's, he's basically taken a fistful of literature and just pulled it out. This is this is a comic book written for comics fans. It's like the Watchmen. It, it is written as you know as a loving tribute to both the fans, the readers, even the critics. Um, anybody who is involved in comics tangentially, directly, he actually involves the reader directly in the narrative. And this is one of the ballsiest moves I have seen in a mainstream mm. comic since the New 52. And it's a massive middle finger to DC because you have an entity who is wanting to unify all the different worlds and all the different creative aspects into the, some sort of homogeneity um, in defiance of Nick Woton, who is a critic who by virtue of reading all these different titles every week uh, is is kind of like literally like we are the monitors. He's saying readers, critics, we are monitors. We can, we can go back and forth through uh, different multiverses. And he's speaking directly to us as a fan to other fans saying, isn't this cool? Mm. You know, this is, this is what this book is. It's a loving tribute. And what we're going to get after this is a series of books that effectively are issue ones of, of, the books of the multiverses that are in here and they will be effectively setting up what would be that whole world 
And we can imagine that going off and having its own thing. And there and there'll be another book tying this up at the I'm end. I'm really curious to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Because at the moment I am confused, <laughs> beyond confused. Probably one of the factors here is that I'm not the DC boy. Mm. I was traditionally Marvel. I don't I've never read Final Crisis. I don't know mm. a lot of the the backstory of the multiverses and so forth. So Which which makes this so interesting because DC, as far as DC is concerned at the moment, Final Crisis doesn't exist. No, exactly. So I I look at this book and I kind of go, okay, I'm kind of digging it where it's going. It's really trippy. But at the same time, there is part of me that is sitting there going, I have no but, idea who have these. Well, we have are. to say. I mean, like, there's some great little nods in there. There's there's, there's a Dino Cop who's effectively images Savage Dragon. Yeah. We've got we've got the because um, we've got a, a character who is the Flash, effectively, who is the nerd comic reader in there. My favorite who, scene ex- in the book, who, who explains everything to everybody. Well, where, you, where the, the Green Lantern analog is saying, yeah. you can't go, you can't go," and he's going, "I have to. They need a geek." Yeah, because <laughs> I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge fan, and I'd give anything to be part of the. Hey, I'm Earth 36 Red Racer. And it's that whole notion that um, every bit of fiction is somebody else's reality. That's that's Grant Morrison's major thing here. And you get it, like you, you read all his interviews around this, and it's beautiful. Some of the, some of the stuff that he says, you know, he gets really into the there is no such thing as canon; it's all real. And he gives those examples of, you know, when he wrote All Star Superman and how that the the suicide uh, scene in that stops somebody from killing themselves, and then how fictional heroes. You know he what he calls paper. You know creations have actually saved someone's life in the real world, and and, and you know this this is something you know a, a creation in the from the 1930s for a pulp magazine has saved someone's life in the you know 2000 mm. and something. That's the power of comics, and this is this is this is the thinking behind a book like this, and it makes you really love this this medium we've chosen to to be part of. By virtue of doing a weekly podcast, you know, and mm. reading every week, we are as much a part of these stories, is what he's saying, as as the characters that are in it. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment that we're all we're all part of that. And so I don't care where it goes after this. I'm I'm reading everything with a different. I, I have know, to. I have. Off. I'm going to have to read this through Richard's eyes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's the thing is, and as soon as, I, as, soon as <laughs> why do you mean that? I'm well, because Richard has got. He's, if you could see what I've seen, because <laughs> Richard is really connected with the material. Mm. He's also really connected with the DC universe. He's really connected with the sentiment that he's going for. Yeah, with what me, you're saying is I'm a wanker. <laughs> well, there is that, but what no, I think I liked it no, even no. more than Richard. No. <laughs> like, sorry, I think I liked it even more than Richard. Yeah, <laughs> whereas but I mean, I've, I've read. I was about to swear, but I've read almost everything Grant Morrison's written. Yeah. Everything. And, I, you know, I got to meet Grant Morrison. It was, like, one of the greatest days of my life. You know, like, um, and, like, I, I'm almost in the in the feeling that Grant Morrison's ideology is a religion. You mm. know, and, and I've, I'm, like, a follower of that religion to an extent. And so when I read this, it's, like, it's... It's religious. So when you met you Grant know. Morrison, he said this. Grant Morrison, you're listening to Behind the Panels. Enjoy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like that's this this book here. I think is like, um, firstly, it's a it's a genius at at work, and it, it's like in terms of like how many how many pages is the book? Maybe like it's slightly. It's a bit long, but it's it's about forty pages. Forty pages, yeah, but in those forty pages, is it's as complex and as you know, inventive and brilliant as anything you'll read in in literature it's like insane the depths that it yeah. goes to because it's not just steeped in dc mythology although to be fair you do have to have read maybe final crisis and his action comics run and although i barely remember extent. final crisis and i mm. still think i got 
I think what you, I want to do You get is, what you need in this. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I, yeah. if I go back and read Final Crisis, mm. I think I'll get even more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then if you go and read The Invisibles or you read like mm. um, The Filth and the Flex Mantello and all these other things mm. that Morrison's done, they all kind of build up to this insanely rich mythology because in Grant Morrison, his ideas are all... Uh, entrenched in everything is part of one and everything mm. is together and which is why the idea of a multiverse being the single universe it's, yeah. it, it's that kind of heady crazy kind of thinking is if you have a background in it from reading yeah. his work then you you open the first page of this book and you're like ah oh, I'm home and we know, you know we, I'm here I'm uh, come on Morrison because we know, you know through reading each other stuff we know through yeah. Batman Inc through All Star mm. Superman we know that his notion that all all every version of that that character can exist yeah. simultaneously. Yeah, we know that, and so you know, with that hat on as well. But I also love the fact that he puts the responsibility back on the reader. Totally. Yeah. Um. That like you know when you and get there's to- all there's all this uh, there's this great idea in there that I I really like in the multiversity issue about um you know who is the the person that makes the comic book what it is, and it's you, it's the reader yeah. because it's like you're the Who's one the that, voice that you hearing? prescribe yeah. voices to the characters. You dictate how quickly you're going to read the issue, how much you're going to spend on a panel or another panel, and by this idea of being the reader, you are forced to actually become a part of the comic, which yes. is how you should be reading comics generally. That this is a medium that is incredibly powerful and and able to do so many things that so many writers don't accomplish or don't attempt to do. Yep. But by Morrison saying you are part of the reader is something that should not have to have been said to begin with, but it's training you to read books in ways that you don't normally read them. Mm. And the kind of thing is like uh, Grant Morrison in particular is like when you see Grant Morrison, the multiversity, like you know what you're going to get yeah. to an extent. And uh, what's funny about this is that I can see like uh, all these reviews popping up and uh, like all these things in the background about like, oh, wow, the multiversity, it's crazy and what's going on in it. But the thing is for me, like the Invisibles is like way beyond this. Oh, this he's is, done crazier than this. Yeah, sure. this is like toned down Morrison. This <laughs> no, is like Morrison there, for the mainstream, there but are it's pages still in, crazy. There are pages in Batman Inc. that are crazier than this. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were yeah. talking about a book that had... Bat cow. Yeah, there was well there's the, <laughs> the there's, slaughterhouse there's scene, Batman yeah. R.I.P. the the, oh. the Batman of Zoran Fall, you know. And, I mean you if know. you've read the Batman R.I.P. Uh, yeah. stuff, that is insane. I'd read that on a long car trip. Yeah. And I thought, wow, I'm getting tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought because it's not making any sense. No, it doesn't. Like, yeah, it, just, it, it doesn't make sense, but at a certain point it doesn't it need to make you, sense. You, you you know enough to sort of figure it out because it's all yeah. it's, it's this whole Grant Morrison idea of like well, I'm going to go for hours on this but <laughs> just, just to wrap it up really quickly this is actually our pick like, of the week yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah but like I can go on about Grant Morrison forever for, for the end of time but the kind of thing about Grant Morrison is that there, there are like multiple dimensions in time and space and the, the the best dimension is imagination and imagination is a is a reality yep. and like so when you go down that road of thinking everything ever and anywhere and anytime any space the future the past the present it's all one reality then we're all part of this reality <laughs> we're all cells I, yeah it's like no anyway. and i think and the fact that he's managed to distill yeah. that down into a 40 page yeah. book and make that understandable and accessible to a mainstream audience is freaking genius it's amazing it's yeah. Just, yeah so uh, we're recommending you go out and get this book. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if your if your local if your LCS is running, can out I just of- say that there is a there is a Frank quietly is going to draw one of these coming up. Hey, Pax and, Americana, and, and and okay, that's what that's the one. Yeah, yeah, and what I've heard about that is that it's going to be it's going to start with a one page panel, and it's gonna it's gonna like uh, devise itself by how many panels there are each page, to the point where the final page is like five hundred panels. 
wow. on a page. And that one of the so one of the reasons well. why this has so been so delayed is that Whiteley quietly, sorry, has been spending oh. a year on this like issue alone. Yeah, I, I mean, you, so talk you, about doing something different with if comics. You're familiar with, no I mean, you know, quietly was already <laughs> Look at Dave. Pu- Dave's like, hurry up! Quietly <laughs> was already pushing it a bit in in things like Jupiter's Legacy when he did that great panel where it was like you you went from the the finished product in the middle all mm. the way out to the roughs on yeah. the outside because you were, you were talking about levels of reality there. So I cannot wait to see that issue. So all of a sudden you're looking at if the whole universe on if a page. Your, if your local comic book store is sold out of this issue, it is, it is available digitally and it's actually one of those books where I think reading it digitally is actually a, a great thing as well because the Ivan Reese art who is an amazingly classic classic DC yeah. book because he did a lot of the, the, the Jeff Johns um, Green Lantern stuff and he did Justice League and all those kind of things during the two, mid-2000s when it was like, you know, your, real, your, your pre-New 52, your pre-Flashpoint classic kind mm. of DC stuff. You know, th- amazing book. Can't say enough good things. Um, I think we should we, say just quickly, if you're interested in, in Morrison stuff, the, a good entry point is the Batman, the Batman run. Yeah, and so it, start if, with Batman yeah. and Son and work your And then you up. can go to Vertigo series. We forgot a book. Yeah. You were going to give us our weekly update on Genius. Oh, yeah, Genius. Okay, well... Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, because oh. because this is a book that was an interesting concept with interesting well, art, but the dialogue was impenetrable. Well, the thing is, the reason I had to go back to genius, I had to, I had to do a bit of language training first, and, okay. and now... Oh, stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. So, um, I speak jive now. Okay. Uh, so, so now, that, now that you speak jive, uh, is the book any more... Well, uh, is it any more impenetrable? Well, oh, no, is it more penetrable? I let me say. break it down for you like this, brother. Just hang loose, blood. She's going to catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama raised no dummies. I duck a rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. It's a cutting thing. She only says, we be sure to be wrong. Chomp don't want to help. Chomp don't get the help. Say, can't hang. Say, seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in here. And that's actually a passage straight from the book, I believe. straight from the book. <laughs> so, so uh, in, 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 in honest fact though is the book any better yeah like I'm really enjoying it <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd recommend like it's almost done because it's coming out weekly so it's got two issues left in, in two weeks time it'll be done there'll be a trade just read it as one and then piece. we can put it through Google Translate and actually understand what's going yeah. on <laughs> it's almost like it's like, a, it's like GTA but it, it works well as a nice <laughs> big entire piece but it is time for the news headlines and Matt Fraction's Odyssey, Kurt Busick's Tooth and Claw, and Ray Fork's Intersect lead the Image Comics solicitations for November 2014. Highlight from DC's November solicitations include Multiversity Pax Americana by Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly, and Gotham by Night. David Finch and Richard Friend come on board as a new creative team for Wonder Woman number 36, while Superman Wonder Woman uh, gets yes. Peter J. Tomazzi and Doug Menke. The Spider-Verse explodes for Marvel in November. <laughs> Along with the title book, the new miniseries Spider-Verse team-up, Scarlet Spiders will be released alongside the new Spider-Woman ongoing series All Set on an Island. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Charlton Copley and Michelle Forbes have joined the cast of Sony's Powers as Christian Walker and Retro Girl? Really? Say what? <laughs> Ant-Man has officially begun production in San Francisco under Peyton Reed, adding John Slattery, Judy Greer, and a hoodie to the cast. <laughs> Adrian Pel- Licky will join Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as Bobby Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird, for the second season of the Marvel television show. Brian Patrick Wade also joins the show as 
Absorbing man. <laughs> Can you absorb it? <laughs> Matt Ward has been cast as the villainous uh, Komodo in the third season of CW's Arrow. Mm. Oz Comic Con gets even bigger as Orlando even Bloom. Even bigger than us. Even bigger than us, believe it or not. <laughs> gets Orlando Bloom joins him. Oh, let's start again. Oz Comic Con gets even bigger as Orlando Bloom joins the Sydney and Brisbane shows in September. Check OzComicCon.com for details. And finally, Time by Randall Munro has won the 2014 Hugo Award for Best Graphic Story. And there was much rejoicing. I, I highly recommend going to our show notes on behindthepanels.net for issue 106 following the link and looking at that because it is a um, a frame by frame comic that's, that he was putting together for years um, and it's amazing cool uh, yeah you showed well, me a little well, bit well, of it before well worth it's having really a look good. at it starts off as a very simple story and then just gets epic as it goes along uh, one of the uh, stories I'll quickly mention that we've made a few jokes about it was the Ant-Man first official photo which was Paul Rudd in a hoodie <laughs> and it's like that was the oddest choice mm. for a first photo from a film <laughs> It's like you know. It's like eh, quick. We we need to get some buzz happening around. Show show how production's happening. Quick, release the hoodie. <laughs> and that's, so it's the weirdest thing. As far as we know, the the whole movie is is Paul Rudd in a hoodie. Yeah, well, and it wasn't a scale. Point. He looked he looked far too big. He didn't look like a, <laughs> he didn't look anti. No, no, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time for us to move on to the pick of the week. Well, see how you like this. What is it, Batman? Whatever it is, it's. It's awfully funny. <laughs> it's the pick of the week. Marine biologist Lee Archer is approached by the Department of Homeland Security for help, and they won't take no for an answer. Drawn to a base beneath the Arctic Circle, something ancient has been uncovered that will either provide missing links or threaten to destroy them all. What they discover may have a long-lasting impact on the future of humanity. The all-star team of writer Scott Snyder and artists Sean Murphy and Matt Hollingsworth blend horror and sci-fi in this Eisner Award-winning series. There's something down there. This is The Wake. If only it was as epic as the music. <laughs> it was far more epic than I gave it credit for. There. Um, this is an interesting book. This is a book that when it first came out and when the when you look, go back and have a look at my review for the first issue on, on the website, I, I thought it was the bee's knees. I thought this was fantastic because it was the dream team, Scott Snyder, uh, Sean Murphy, who we know from uh, Punk Rock Jesus, yep. uh, and Matt Hollingsworth did the colour, uh, who we also know from the brilliant Hawkeye. So to me, it was a team that couldn't possibly do wrong. And let's face it, the first issue, when we read that first issue, as as just a, what we've been reading, yeah. we went, this is amazing. This yeah, is, it was sploosh. Yeah, I it think was um, like, the three of us together decided we were going to wait. Yeah, until absolutely. Ca- and yeah. And this so is what yeah. happened, because mm. it finished officially, I think, last week or the week before, mm. with issue 10. And we all dove in. Yeah. So we, we into the deep end, into the <laughs> Arctic circle, as it were. Uh the, <laughs> yeah, the where do you start? Let, and, let, at, and at that point, it goes downhill. Well, <laughs> the thing is, in and of itself, there's at least two interesting stories in here. <laughs> um, the the there's the first story and the one that apparently they wanted to tell but didn't didn't tell for five issues. Um, what what happens is remember this is spoilers and all people, so uh, we're assuming that you've read or started reading this book. 
this this book starts off with a story set contemporarily set now. Well, actually, no. It starts off the first frame is set in the far future, and then but we, it's not really clear. And that's the yeah. what's really interesting is but that that, you, that didn't that didn't worry me at no, all. No, no. And you actually and you forget, and you forget yeah. all about that first page. Yeah. So that first page happens, and you kind of go, I don't understand. And then you go, Oh, now she's here. She's studying whales and stuff and you go okay cool i mean i've always wanted to pretend i was a marine biologist (laughs) (laughs) and she's talking a great great dialogue between her and her son about getting the hdmi cable and you know this it's a really human story and And you connect with her pretty quickly and you connect with archer Mm. really quickly and i I was in and she gets picked up by the government you know we need your help and you know the deep sea and the submarine and the going down to the platform and you think oh Great, I'm in. Because <laughs> it's like the start of a Ridley Scott or James. We use the the Abyss music there. It has which got was that, a perfect choice. Yeah, for, that, for how this for the starts. first half of this uh, yeah. movie, uh, first half of this movie. Well, it does sort of play a little bit like a movie, uh, and it does. And it's, it's interesting because it sort of had me for most of that first half, even though I started sort of wavering a little bit because uh, the, the characters were a bit samey, and, and I sort of felt as though it it, it was playing out a very familiar scenario. Which was, uh, you know, monsters about getting picked yeah. off one by one. Uh, you're talking, um, you're talking Deep Star Six, Leviathan, Alien, Aliens. Yeah, uh, Michael yeah. Crichton's a good pull. Michael, yeah. Cri- Michael Crichton. We're talking about this is a well, Roll a well, a well. <laughs> it's a well-tread formula, mm-hmm. but it was done with panache. It was, it was the the artwork is really good. Yeah, like, let's just half. say like. Murphy's artwork is phenomenal, and if you've only seen his black and white stuff with Punk Rock Jesus, Matt Hollingsworth's uh, uh, color just gives us this deep complexity to it. We're going to come back to Sean Murphy's art, though. But there are some yeah. issues that we have <laughs> as the as the series rolls on. Yeah, the first yeah. look, I have, I know Dave did, mm. but I I don't have much to say bad about the first five issues. Um, yes, there's a little bit. It, of sameness about it with some other plots and so forth, but I was in. I actually, I, was, in. Yeah. I was reading the first five issues and I was going, "This is actually pretty good." I was enjoying it. It was intriguing. There was a lot of going well, on. I'd say, I'd say I was for the first issue. I was in the yeah. whole first issue. It was great. I, I'd say I sort of lost it maybe a few panels into the second. Oh, really? Okay, but it wasn't bad. It's just there's a time jump in the middle where where for me that's where it takes yeah. the. Where I have a problem with this book though is. At the end of issue five, it ends, it cuts to black, yeah. and then there's this big old paragraph of dial of, of text that basically says, now it's like Monty Python, welcome to the middle of the movie. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah, like, it's like, and you go, and do you have it there? Yeah, I've got it up here. He says, uh, and that's what's coming with issue six, folks, where the wake two, part two begins, the much bigger, wider half of the series, the half that will answer the questions and mysteries posed earlier, but will also take you to the places narratively that we promised the whole wake crew promise will shock you. This is the half uh, uh, with the city of blimps, the half of the massive tidal waves, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm sitting there going, city of blimps? What? This what? is the part mm-hmm. that none of us could wait to get to, and we can't wait to see what you think. Do you guys remember the last the last time a giant UFO came out of the water and flew off into space? Uh, At the end of a movie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crystal There's, skull, yeah. yeah. There's been a few of them, actually. So. Um, so, yes. And so, basically, what they're saying in that panel that is... That shocked me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, what they're, saying, what they're saying here at this point is that... All the previous five issues you just read were really boring, and that's not what we wanted to tell part, at all. What we really me, wanted to tell was the second half. Part of me admires the audacity of what they did with those first five issues because what you had, as we said, a, a very familiar setup, which was monster being picked off one by one, 
what's happening here. You think that's going to, but instead of a single monster picking them all off one by one or a handful of monsters picking them off one by one, suddenly we get to the point where normally the hero goes, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it all falls apparently as I just hit my microphone, it all falls apart. You get to the point where the hero goes, right, this is, this is the solution. Uh, here, this is the thing we have to do. Complicated plan. It may not work. We might all die but it works out and there's a soul survive. That's normally how this thing plays out. Instead of that, in place of that, it seems to all fall apart completely. And every, well, and, and the whole world gets sucked into a tidal wave. I was going to say, you know, after that, basically, you know. they, they melt the polar ice caps, the world is flooded, and Kevin Costner pees on a tree, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's basically it, right? It turns into water. It does. I found dry land! It does. It turns Have you seen paper? <laughs> It turned into Waterworld halfway through. Um, and that's when you get the Wake uh, live-action stunt show at Universal Studios. <laughs> it's, it's exactly what it felt. It has but, about as much narrative power as the Waterworld stunt show at Universal but, Studios. And then so then we leap forward for the remaining five issues. We leap forward to a mysterious person 500 years in the future, or 200 years in the future, who has a very similar name and eye affliction to our hero in the first five issues. Could they be connected? We never know. But who cared as well? That was the problem. I I care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the, the first issue of the second arc, I, I was kind of, I thought, okay, this is good because I, I kind of liked the audacity of, of, of the change. And I thought, but we'll start getting connections back and forward. But we don't. We get a whole new story. And then almost like a deus ex machina in the final issue, it's like, oh, yeah, and this is how it connects. Yeah, you know, and that's the, that's the problem with the story. The, yeah. the the actual setup, the 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 rapid change. I've got no problems with any of those things. My problem is that he doesn't satisfactorily tie either story up. And the then we come back mm. to Sean yeah. Murphy. I think. Oh, you go, you go. Yeah, yeah let me just right. let me just throw this in really quickly because then we come back to Sean Murphy. And the thing that occurred to me is that now that the story wasn't interesting, I'm heavily looking at the art because the story is no longer interesting to me, and I'm having to force my way through five issues. Mm-hmm. And it occurs to me that as much as I like Sean Murphy, because I think Sean Murphy's a really talented artist, I don't think he's particularly versatile because I think he basically has about five characters that he can draw. And what we end up with is very same old, same old his, his, characterizations. His uh, military general looks very much like the, 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 bodyguard, the bodyguard in, in Punk Rock, Rock Jesus. Jesus. And, and you pointed out Meeks that. looks a lot like the old lady at the end. You That's know? true. And, you know, so all, all, all old people look the look same. They look the same, apparently. Um, <laughs> and I started to go, um, I, and, and it kind of broke my heart a little because I'm going, maybe Sean Murphy, maybe he has a very limited shelf life. Because he may hey, not look, have he's, he's got the a versatility. Very, he's yeah. got a very distinct style. And because he's, he's a little bit manga-influenced as well, um, and if you know look, look a lot of manga, there are very like similar archetypes mm, mm. in manga and there are very similar character types. So I don't begrudge him that. He, he is a modern twist on manga. In that, when I say modern twist, he's a Western twist on manga. So in that sense, the, 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 the similarity between characters isn't... Um, isn't that far removed from the conventions of the genre? Mm. Uh, so, and he he sort of adds speed lines, and he adds mm. uh, this this kind of rough around the edges look that that looks rushed, but is actually very refined. When you look at some of those detailed, those big splash pages, which we get every two pages, um, <laughs> when you look at some of those big, well, splash you need pages, to make big splash pages to accommodate the reams of well, dialogue. Yeah, no. <laughs> in, 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 that's true, but you also there's a lot of splash pages because most of it's set in the water. Uh, <laughs> 
that's terrible. Man, oh, high but, five. Uh, high yeah. five for that. You're drowning there, uh, Richard. Hey, <laughs> Dave, we haven't heard from you. Moist. <laughs> Moist. <laughs> okay, let's go back. What, 10, 12 months ago when it started? Do That's we have when to? It started? No, yeah, sorry. we have to. Because <laughs> okay. this, is, this is the context I want to put up. Because I think I'm overly harsh on this. I don't know if it's as bad as I feel it is. It, you know, I think it's all right. I think it's a very average comic book. But the thing is that... Oh, don't get me wrong. I've read far worse than yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. But, but <laughs> the thing I have a problem with is... Okay, so 10 months ago, we, have, we don't have Year Zero, really, right, by Scott Snyder, do we? Not yet. It's no. just kind of started. This one comes out and we're, well, all, we're 10 all, months ago, maybe we did. <laughs> maybe, yeah, I know. This is how long ago it was, right? So we're kind of all, all three of us are like, oh, The Wake, it's going to be amazing. And we read the first and we one. we were on a high from Scott Snyder. Totally, yeah. And so every month that passes by, it just becomes, there's more Year Zero, there's no American Vampire out on the shelf, there's The Wake accumulating, and every, every month they're like, The Wake is a game changer. The Wake is amazing. And then, what, two weeks ago, it won all these Eisners. Yeah, it, it won a handful of Eisners. It won, mm. uh, I think, Best Limited Series. And uh, I think it might have won. Uh, Makes it also, me want to reevaluate the Eisners a little uh, bit. And yeah. Snyder got a writing award for both. Uh, it's like a cumulative thing. He got most number of words in a single comic yeah. book. So, so, so as opposed to. As, for as Batman a, in this. As yeah. opposed to me reading this and going, it's all right, I'm going. What is this? This is like this has won an award. Like this is a game changer. Like Scott Snyder is not Charles Dickens or like Chaucer. He's like, no Alan Moore. You know, like although yeah, he cites a lot of good writers. In yeah, this. yeah. But I, but everybody's acting like this is the finest piece of writing to ever. It's a little bit of to ever grace. Of, the, yeah, the, and it's just like Snyder it's this, it's like extremely derivative of like hundreds of other things. And it, don't get me wrong, when when the first issue came out, I was one of those people who was praising it. Uh, with masses of hyperbole because the first issue was this is the pinnacle of what creator-owned comics mm. uh, can do. Yeah, This is what happens when you let a fine writer and a fine artist just do what they want to do. Mm. And then we see the worst thing that can happen when you let a fine writer and a yeah. fine artist do what it's they like, want to do. It's like a, like each issue has like a maybe a four or five page chunk that's just the most didactic. I, I keep wanting to swear about this, but I can't. Can I? No, 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 I won't. But, but you did it, say didactic. Yeah, and that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, like I know I'm sort of lecturing people listening now, but like this comic book lectures you on like the history of like all sorts of things. It's funny for like no purpose. It's funny you should say that because when it's funny you should mention the word didactic because when I was thinking about multiversity, what we're talking about before, mm. uh, if anybody remembers the first half of the show, um, I was thinking. About <laughs> I know some, I don't. Somehow Morrison I managed to this point. I somehow <laughs> Morrison managed to do all that history of comic stuff and you know, teach you about, you know, what it is to be a reader and writer mm. and all that kind of stuff without being didactic, yeah. without being overly heavy-handedly so. But here, as you, you've pointed out, I mean, Dave, you've, you've got a... Do you have the page handy where it's... Uh, uh, Snyder literally uh, has a character sit down and offhandedly deliver dialogue like this. Um, okay. There's a theory that started in the 1930s about something called the aquatic ape. It posits that about 5 million years ago, because of predation and climate change, our early ancestors started spending more time in the water than out of it. So much time, in fact, that for a short period we actually became amphibious. And in doing so, we developed mutations that made us better suited to the water. Mutations we still have today. Things that set us apart from other primates. We have a subcutaneous layer of fat similar to the blubber of aquatic mammals, while other primates don't. We have a descended larynx, something found more in deep-sea animals than in primates. We're able to hold our breath, unlike most other primates. 
Some scientists even think the fatty acids in fish and shellfish <laughs> we ate at that time are what caused our brains to encaphalize. Basically, the theory imagines that the water is where we became human and split off from our ancestors. Looking at that creature in the tank, it seems reasonable to ask, what if instead of coming back to land, some tribe of our ancestors went further down instead? But wait, there's more. No, there's not. Yeah, and the thing is, this is like every second page. Every second page is like this, and this is before they've even actually seen the creatures. It's like, what if you know? It's kind of like there's passages of dialogue that are that deep while the place is falling apart around them, and it's cutting. Can I just say? This reminds me of Imhotep. (laughs) Can I just say on this same page? Here's the panel description. She goes over to a computer. She turns on a picture of a, a of a primate coming out of the water and then we see a close-up of what the primates turned into, which is the fish man. And that's it. <laughs> that yeah. perfectly explains every single thing in that in that exposition dump. Yeah. <laughs> it's not they as could, bad as they the could have done later. one of those evolution charts. <laughs> yeah. like, you know. well, which they do with teardrops. The teardrops. Oh, they don't even start on the teardrop. No, theory. My, my favorite one. My favorite one in this is where it's like um, this reminds. It's like f- the whole base is flooding and they're about to die, and someone <laughs> and someone goes. This reminds me of my favorite childhood story. And then the it's loneliest like, whale. It's a four-page like flashback to ancient <laughs> Egypt, and it's like this was your childhood favorite story. Okay, I'll go with that. But that you remembered it in such vivid and verbose detail. As the place is falling down <laughs> yeah. around you. Uh, look. That's really interesting. Can you please get on the subject? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we, oh, speaking of coincidences, this book is like Mr. Magoo, right? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, crap, we have no way to get out of this. And the guy's like, oh, don't worry. I designed secret rooms and I have a sub in one of them. <laughs> and I, put we- I put weapons on them because, you know, oh, I just want to hunt And fear. I have a girlfriend in <laughs> yeah, Canada. Yeah, you yeah. don't know her. <laughs> Anyway, we're gonna wrap anyway, this up. Look, can I just finish quickly? Sorry, just I just want to say that this book was all right, and I probably would have liked it more if people weren't like just going yeah. like we hey, Look, and I'm gonna it. say this book was all right, and I probably would have liked it better if it had better written. <laughs> 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 look, we, 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 we've sounded quite Don't harsh worry, on this. End games coming soon, so hopefully they'll be literal. <laughs> yeah, we, we've we've sounded quite harsh on this. There is a lot we like about this yeah. book, um, and and even though we, we've made some comments about the art, I quite like the art style. I mm. like the um, art. I, I just it. worry yeah. about the fact that he's. A, I think his characterizations are a bit. Yeah, you, you think he's a bit of a one-trick pony, but I I think that's an extension of his manga influences. Possibly, where, yeah. where there are um, you know certain archetypes in there. That having said that. This this isn't this is by no means comics one hundred and one for us. It's a curiosity read. It's the sort of thing you read when you've read other stuff. I say read the first five issues and then put it away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Read the first five issues. Watch the world go to crap, and then just go. Okay, that's uh, that's Inter- suck, interesting. Disaster sucks movie. to be them. Yeah. Uh, but next week we will be looking at a book that is uh, well. Dave and I have already read, uh, and we talked about it a little while ago on the show. Uh, which is second, the Brian mm. Lee O'Malley graphic original graphic novel that came out a few weeks ago, and has now I think just been properly published in Australia uh, for wide release because I think we were just getting import copies before. Uh, this is a beautiful one-off graphic novel uh, by the guy who did uh, Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the Wild, the Wild um, versus the Wild. Um, <laughs> you know, with Michael Sarah, it was in the movie uh, with the Seinfeld theme. That's that's all I remember from that, <laughs> that film. Uh, <coughs> 
Beautiful book. Uh, it won't take you very long to read. So if you if you pick it up after you hear the show, you'll probably have it finished by the time the show finishes. If you get bored during the show, <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you had a choice between reading The Wake and Seconds, read Seconds. Read Seconds because it's a beautiful, uh, life changing, <laughs> life affirming <laughs> book. Uh, it's a game changer. It's a game changer, people. Um, oh dear, we've just built their their uh, hopes up for it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you really want to read ahead, the week after that, we're doing Fatal, which we mentioned. You before. might want to get started because right, there's twenty four issues yeah. to that, and almost I think all of them are out in trade now there's five trade volumes so and and also in comiXology and, and comiXology and all those places uh on image comics directly where if you buy them from image comics directly oh and comiXology now as comiXology, well. you'll get them, you get them all drm free cbr files read them on your favorite app that kind of thing uh we actually i had someone write to me this week asking me what what comics apps you can you know were, were good uh and could they could they upload you know that drm free ones they had to comiXology and i said no but the app we use is called comic zeal um, and because Comixology have got everything DRM free and increasingly you've got people offering their, their books directly. Be very clear though, just not the Marvel DC stuff. That's Marvel still, DC, that's still Dark off. Horse are all locked off. Yeah. Everything else is available for download as CBR. And CBZ. you get those from the Comixology website, not from the app. That's so. that's correct. And uh, But also if you go directly to the Image website, same story. Yep. And uh, independence, uh, places like you know Brian K. Vaughan's private syn- mm-hmm. uh, panel syndicate, Things like that, all, all offered in CBZ as an alternative. So you format. take those CBZs, you drop them in the Comic Zeal, and then you can read them uh, through that, which yes. is how we read so them. It, so it's, it's a great app as well. It's very fast. Yeah, uh, it's a great way to organise your your comics as well digitally. But uh, so next week it's seconds. Week after that is Fatal. Until then, you can find me on Twitter at dbdbits and you can find me online at behindthepanels.net and newsarama.com. I will also mention again quickly ozcomicon.com. We're very, very proud, uh, I won't say partners, but very proud supporters um, of Oz Comic Con, uh, not least of which because they are giving us an opportunity to do two live shows uh, September 13th and 14th in Sydney at Glebe Island. David. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Dave McVeigh. You can find me at geekactually.com, which is a host of all of this. And uh, you can also find me at Oz Comic Con in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Twitter at Dave Longo, and you can find me not being at the live show, unfortunately, if I don't think I'll be able to. But I'm Because you're off shooting in the mountains. No, I'm shooting some animals in the mountains. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> and people are going to yeah. be writing yeah. to us. No, he's making a movie, people. He's making a movie. He's making a movie where he shoots animals, yeah. obviously. <laughs> uh, I also want to throw out a qu- very quick apology. There hasn't been a GMC or a film actually for a few weeks. So those who listen to both shows, uh, you can tell your friends, those who don't listen to it. <laughs> um, but, uh, we've That's just- because you're not part of the story yet, David. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the- you were going to issue a- an apology to Scott Snyder. <laughs> but, but I- no. But, but we-, we like Scott Snyder. We should. Stress. I like Scott we should Snyder. stress that we really do. I do yeah. like his Batman mm-hmm. run, so I just haven't liked zero, Year Zero very much. But anyway, um, his last just, two things I haven't enjoyed. No. <laughs> so apologies about that. There will be a GMCs and film actions with Oz Comic Con coming up and schedules and everything yeah. else. It's been a bit hard. We just got to make sure that behind the panels always happens. So sometimes the other things fall to the wayside. Yes. So, but they are still around. They're not pod fading or anything else. And they we were planning back. to record a GMC today, but with we had technical, technical issues. <laughs> the technical uh, issues. Uh, yes, we've had massive technical issues, but. but uh, we know you love us anyway, and you'll stick around. And, and we will be back with them. Don't you worry. When there's, there's be more movies coming out, we'll probably do a Turtle special or something on GMC because we have to talk about and that. And there's film. that Dame yeah. to Kill for. There's that Dame to Kill for. There is that Dame to Kill for, which apparently is getting bad reviews. But there anyway. ain't nothing like a Dame. Uh, but until then, I'm Richard Gray. I'm David McVeigh. I am what I am. <laughs> I am Nick Swatan. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Behind the Panels. 
Watches the ships that go sail. 